Why, hello there. It's Graham Norton here. Thank you for listening to my Virgin Radio podcast with Waitrose. This time around, Dugay Scott chats to us about starring in the new Irvin Welch TV adaptation, Crime. National treasure Mary Berry joins us with some more amazing recipes in her new book, Love to Cook. And Strictly Come Dancing legend Anton Dubeck fills us in on his new novel, We'll Meet Again. But before we get stuck in, let's chat to Maria. There she is. <laughs> I like the fact that you were slightly caught unawares there. I was. Suddenly, who was that corner shop? So yeah. they stopped. They yeah. were just like, we were, yeah. Well, you were relaxing in your chair. You were fiddling with your headphones, blithering yeah. to me about something about Ireland. And then suddenly you had to go back into mood. I know. DJ mode. Yeah, DJ mode. And I have to say, you did it in 0.3 of a second. Thank you very much, Jerry. Uh, how are you? Good, good, thank you. Sorry, I must apologise for my bed hair today. You know, sometimes you wake up in the morning, well, you maybe not No, don't have not this so thing. much. Yes. <laughs> and whatever you do, to, it's like you slept in an electricity socket during the night and your hair just refuses to do anything. Well, so, I do. Even as tiny as my hairs are. Tiny uh, hairs. My tiny hairs. Graham Norton and his tiny, tiny hairs. hairs. My tiny hairs are broken. Uh, yes, sometimes I will get a kind of a wedge on one side for it's, no good reason. It's most bizarre. I mean, how does that happen? But anyway, that's boring. Life. Um, <laughs> life, 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 life happens. Life oh, happens. my hair. Um, I, am I wrong yes. to be having <laughs> yes, um, quite the crush on Adam Driver, who was on your television show last night? Because I mean, he is in that film about Gucci, in it. Yes, it's one of those things. I think, you know the way Woody Allen in films would surround himself with pretty people who are all attracted to him? And by the end of the film, you kind of thought, maybe he is attractive. No, because I never thought that. I, I, I would find myself over the course of an hour and a half thinking, actually, he's not as hideous as I thought he was an hour and a half ago. <laughs> because all these pretty people are going, hmm, Woody. So, uh, well, that's because he's funny. Adam Driver, I would say, is not funny. He's quite dry. Quite but dry. There's, yes, but there's something about him that, you you know... I, I know what you mean. Not but classically it, handsome. But I don't think it's there. I, I think we've been told it's there, and now oh, we believe we? it. Yes. I think he's been cast as attractive people, and we now believe he is. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen him in anything. Oh, really? No. You must have. What has he been in? Uh, Girls, Star Wars... Uh, the neither, last neither jewel. of those I've seen. Uh, what else has he been in? Uh, Black Klansman. Okay, um, seen that. Marriage Story with Scarlett Johansson. Uh, maybe that. Can you um, give him my number? Yes, of course I will. <laughs> yes, I will. It's nine nine nine. It's help. <laughs> Just text help to yeah. this number to the Virgin Hotline. Um, and Lady Gaga. Gotta love Lady Gaga. I do love Lady Gaga. And that, when she did her singing, she started to sing an old song. Yeah. And Rod joined in and it spoiled it. <laughs> now stop it. I know. Everyone, what... everyone joined in. Uh, yeah, everyone but joined she, in. But she, I always think that's quite thrilling when someone like her starts singing just, you know, sitting in their chair. Because whatever you go... think of Lady Gaga, she has got a phenomenal voice. Pipes. She's got pipes. Pipes. She's got lungs. Yeah, lungs and pipes. <laughs> that's what she's got. She's like that barbershop in uh, Hastings. <laughs> <laughs> I've got lungs and pipes, but it's something happens to it on the way out of my mouth where it goes out of, out of tune. It's annoying, isn't it? Because in your head, it sounds lovely. And then out yeah. it comes, yeah. it's like, oh. Um, tell me, what's your week been like? Have, you know, intimate dinners with Adele, visits uh, to the palace, uh, oh, things yes, the, that I haven't yeah, been things to. Things I didn't invite you to. Um, no, Adele's left the building. She's back in LA now, I think. Oh, is she? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, what, that's what she told me over dinner. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> when she came to your house, you yeah. mean? Is that on tomorrow night? No, next weekend. Or is it Ask this weekend? Ask me. I'm boycotting it. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm not. Actually, I, mean... I forgot to gossip about it um, 
with you last week. Virgin Radio. Uh, have you got a letter, by the way? I have, Graham. A few. I mean, I have one job. <laughs> one job? Yeah. So, um... <clears throat> one life to live. Yeah. Here we go. Dear Graham and Maria, three years ago, I discovered that my husband of over 30 years was an active member of an online dating app. Whilst he admitted and apologised, giving up his smartphone and going to couples counselling, I can't help wondering if staying with him since was or is the right thing to do. For context, people would have said we were the perfect couple before. He'd had a bit of a breakdown over work when he joined the site, apparently bored and wanting someone to talk to. Mm -hmm. I know he met several women over a five-year period and admitted that things had gone too far with two of the women he met, although he never saw them again. It keeps playing on my mind, but I don't know what to do. Please help. And that is from Ali in Hove. Ali in Hove, I'm very sorry to hear that. Um, now, <clears throat> I, it sounds to me, Ali, like you need permission here because over the last three years you've been questioning your relationship um, because you, nowhere in your letter do you mention that you love him, that there are still lots of things that you do that are good. Um, it just seems to be the longevity that 30 years, you know, uh, that you don't want to destroy that. It might be that things come to a natural end at a certain time. I'm not sure, even with the counselling and his uh, submission of his smartphone, hoping he's got it back now, um, it, it seems to have worked for you because I think the longer you're dwelling on this, the more you're thinking, should I have stayed? I mean, if you're thinking, I've got another life that I could be living now, 30 years, that was great, but now I miss, must move on, then indeed you must. Uh, it sounds very much like you're questioning your decision then... And if it's not got any better for you or if you're still not trusting him, trust is a very difficult thing to get back, Yeah. then, uh, you know, what is your state of happiness? There's no mention of it in here. What do you think, Graham? Well, I mean, you know, it's a short letter, so we don't know everything. I think she's focusing on the one issue. And I think it's, it goes back to that thing of trust. Does she trust this man? Is she living in a kind of weird state where she can't relax? She's constantly second-guessing him. You know, he said he went to the shop, but <clears throat> it took quite a long time to go to the shop. All that sort of stupid yeah. stuff where you're not just relaxed and living your life and having a nice time. Um, it can come back. It can with time. It doesn't sound like the counselling was great. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say to you, go back to the counselling because it doesn't sound like you're putting your side of things. You know, people say uh, in, in relationships, oh, I made one mistake. Are you ever going to let me forget this one mistake I made? And you just, they don't realise that what the mistake was was not the act, it was trust that has gone. Yeah. D you know, destroy that trust and it's incredibly hard to, to get it back. And also it's one of those things, if you sit in counselling and he's sobbing and saying, oh, I had a breakdown at work and and uh, I only, it only went too far with two people over this five-year period. Yeah, you feel sort of compelled to forgive them because it's... Do you? I well, wouldn't. You do because you love them and they're a big sobbing wreck. And also there's a stranger looking at you thinking, you heartless cow. Look at him. Look at him. Can't you forgive him? Uh, so you sort That's of feel so like... That's so you to so... be worried about what the counsellor is thinking. <laughs> 
rather so, than so what I, she's thinking. Yeah, so I think, but it goes back to what you were saying about one mistake. So, you know, he's done all his mea culpa, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, and thinks, hmm, you know, job's good and uh, let's go on with our lives. Meanwhile, Ali is going, uh, I mean, yeah. it's it's so easy when people say, oh, you know, he had a breakdown at work and everything was getting on top of him. Well, guess what? Things get on top of you, where, whoever you are. Yeah, and Ali's you, husband. Yeah, yeah. And you don't always stop it. You don't always have to go and join dating sites for somebody to talk to. He's been married to you 30 years. He can talk to you about what's going on at work. I mean, this is such a sort of get-out-of-jail-free card. I had a breakdown. I was having a midlife crisis. You know, some people just have to keep going with their midlife crisis and their breakdown and not join dating sites and go too far with two women. I find these excuses slightly tiring. Yeah. And also, like, didn't even do it well. Like, got caught quite easily, But it I think like. people want to get caught because a lot of the time you don't want the guilt on your conscience. You yeah. think, you know, if you could be smart about it, there's ways to do it where you, you know, you're smart and you don't get caught. Yeah. Fine. But most people kind of go, oh, guilt now, I feel guilt. What am I doing? I should stop. But also, I think, you know, Ali's husband might be genuinely contrite, might genuinely be horrified at what he did and doesn't like who he was in those years and does genuinely want to rebuild this relationship. And it's about, as we've said, it's about Ali trying to find trust again. Graham's Guide. I'm going to read you another letter right now. Okay. Dear Graham and Maria, my mother passed away four months ago now and my eldest sister and her son just came back for the first time to stay at the family home. We haven't heard anything from her, really, since we told her that Mum was ill back in 2018. OK? Mm -hmm. She claimed she couldn't have come sooner due to the pandemic and that she didn't have the money to buy a ticket earlier. Now she's back and I'm happy to accommodate her and her son, even to the dismay of my other married siblings, since they don't get along with her and think that she's got a really short fuse. As a result, they've stopped coming over as much since she came back. She's also started to change things in the house to suit her liking, such as cupboard placements, the TV and even the sitting area in the yard that Mum always loved. I've told her before that she shouldn't just chain thing, change things, but she happily uses her I'm the eldest, you're the youngest speech and says that it is her house as well. How can I establish some boundaries, speak up or confront her without having it result in a disastrous fight? And that is from Nary in Suffolk. Is that the way you say it, Nary in Suffolk? Uh, yes. Suffolk, yes, I think Suffolk. No, Suffolk, yeah. yes, I know. Yeah. Um, I'm Neri in Suffolk. I'm very, very sorry to hear about your mother. And this is a bit of a tricky situation. Now, it sounds to me as though you, since your mum got ill in 2018, you and your other siblings who possibly live nearby took a lot of care of your mother. That's three years when your oldest sister uh, wasn't there. And that you and your mum live together in this house. So basically, this is your house. This is where you have lived with your mum. You cared for your mother until her death in this house. You do not want somebody coming in, changing what is reminding you of your mum and what you like, the way you like it and the way you and your mum liked it together, etc. I'm making assumptions on this, that you lived with your mother. Uh, however, presumably, 
you will have to split the money with your other sibling siblings and this particular sibling and her son um, and the house will need to be sold. I think this can only, Neri in Suffolk, be a good idea because this is not going to end well. How long is this arrangement going to be? It sounds to me like she has upped sticks and moved back with her son for good. You're happy to accommodate her. If she doesn't change things around, she's got a terrible temper. You haven't seen her for three years. She didn't do any of the care. There's a lot of resentments yeah. bubbling under here, Neri. So I think the sooner, sooner you can sell the house, the better. And in terms of getting her not to change things around, I think you really, really need to enlist the other siblings in this. Maybe an email has to go around robbing. The house will need to be sold etc etc and in the meantime Neri is in charge of all things house because she lived there with mum and cared for her for the last three years I don't know what you think well when... I just think that eldest the, this eldest daughter who's come back with the you, son you've taken a gin her haven't you well of course I have yeah uh, but also no she you know what though Neri she's she's playing you because she's got this short fuse temper it's a kind of like well don't cross me because don't poke the bear kind of thing because yeah. you know what I'm like. I'll go, poke the bear. Let her have an absolute I know, but strong. some bears quite like to be angry and shout well, and rage around. But other her. people, it upsets them. If you're yeah. of the temperament where it upsets you, you do not want to poke yeah, but, the bear. But then the bear wins. The, yes. bear, the bear is playing you. So, Neri, you've just got to go... Just, you know, upset the bear. If the bear doesn't like it, the bear can go back to the woods. Uh, You're extending this metaphor. That's where the bear can go and take your cub with you. And what does it do in the woods, this bear, Graham? It gets very angry. <laughs> and goes, ooh, that nary but, in Suffolk. No, but I do think, though, sorry, I'm interrupting you, there is safety in numbers. Yes. Uh, so I do think unless your, your other siblings are outraged, they don't want to come and visit because of her short fuse, etc. Clearly nobody is that keen on her. Let's not diss her totally. She's also lost her mother, but she cannot upset the apple cart too much. No, but, but also... So many metaphors yeah, but here. No, look, the, the will is the thing, because do all these siblings need to agree on selling the house? You know, how is it... All of that stuff. I imagine it is a big can of worms. Did the mother even leave a will? We don't know. But this... I feel like, you know, very odd to come back from Canada after the funeral, after everything. You know, she didn't make it back when the mother was alive, she didn't make it back for the funeral. Suddenly, she's rocked up and she's... I didn't say Canada, did I? Did you say Canada? No, just back? Oh, I've made that up then. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Is this someone you know? She claims she had sooner. She didn't have the money to buy a ticket. No, no, yeah, no, you're right. No, no mention of Canada. I've made it up. But anyway. Well, maybe it's because you were talking about the woods and there are quite a lot of woods yes, in Canada. Yeah. And indeed bears. Yes. She, she could be a moose. <laughs> <laughs> a moose and her calf. There's a moose in the hoose. <laughs> Moving the furniture around in the yard. Oh Mummy loved that furniture. Uh, <laughs> yes, Neri, um, Graham is getting sidetracked by I Canada. Am. No, but I, I just feel like there's some, there's something odd at play here because it is very strange to rock up after all the, the important events she's missed. Yeah. Well, we know what it is. Money will bring people yeah. back um, yeah. to, you know, to get their share. And clearly, you know, there's, I'm, I'm thinking four siblings here. There's going to be a split. It's just I'm worried for Neri because she has lived in this house, I think, with her mum for a long, long time. And 
where does she go now? But you don't need that big house, Neri. You need to start a new life for yourself. Yes. And so I think it's best if you sell it. But you need have a have a conference of war with the other siblings. Invite them over. If it gets difficult, so be it. But at least everyone knows where they are. Yeah, do not be controlled by this sister's temper. And and utilize your siblings. Yeah. Just let her let her rail, let her roar, and let her you know t- tire herself out. Yeah, is that what bears do? That's what. Yeah, that that's the trick. Or you punch them in the nose, but don't do that. No, don't do that. <laughs> no, don't do that. That's not going to help. No, anyone. that really won't help. No. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio. Right, it is time for. Dad responses, part one. Now, uh, my favourite responses today will be receiving a bottle of Waitrose Fino Sherry. Ladies and gentlemen, this weekend is all about the sherry. Uh, apparently in the Waitrose Weekend magazine, there's uh, three recipes. They all sound delicious. There's uh, sherry, you use steamed mussels in a sherry cream sauce, stir-fried veggie noodles, and this, listen to this, roasted grapes with ice cream. I mean, that would impress, that would impress the neighbours, wouldn't it? Yeah, would I mean, you wouldn't give it to them. You'd eat it, but you'd tell them you had it. Roasted grapes with ice cream. That's what we had. Mmm, delicious. Anyway, a bottle of Waitrose Fino Sherry will be going to a couple of people today. Right, our first letter was from Ali in Hove. And this is such a difficult problem. She was married. She'd been married for 30 years. Three years ago, she discovered that her husband had been very active on dating apps uh, for five years. And he admitted that he had been doing it and he admitted that uh, he'd Things had gone too far, in his words, with two of the women. They had counselling and he handed over his smartphone, but it keeps playing in her mind. She wonders, did she make the right decision staying with him? Uh, Doesn't know what to do. Please help. Paul of Ulverston writes, It happened to me after 26 years. The trust never came back. Also, he probably still is not satisfied. I am now very happily remarried. My advice is don't be scared of midlife change if your relationship has faded. Emily in the middle just says, Ali, get out, get out, get out. Uh, Richard from Woking. Your husband did not go too far on two occasions over five years. He went too far every single time he made secret contact with or met someone else. He has to recognise that or there is, if there is to be any hope for you both. And that is the thing about I was talking about earlier about counselling and forgiving people. Like, they've got to get it. <laughs> they've got to get what what was wrong about it. Not just the, the two times, but you're absolutely right, Richard. The every time. Uh, Jill's in Wiltshire. What is interesting about Ali's letter is her referencing that everyone thought that they had the perfect marriage. Is this the significant bit that Ali has really lost? I mean, that is interesting. Yeah, if you if if you were fed by people admiring your marriage and that's gone now, that is hard. Um, it's quite simple, really. Either Ali can forgive and move on or she needs to let go of the relationship so they can both move on. And finally, Leslie, a dating site for five years. Oh, my goodness. He has to go. And Ali needs to realise she is worth so much more. Uh, thank you for all your responses to Ali in Hove. I'm going to send the uh, the Fino Sherry to Richard from Woking. Right, it's time for... Graham's Guide. The responses part two. And someone who responds will be getting a bottle of Waitrose Fino Sherry. Delish. Neri uh, wrote to us from Suffolk. And poor Neri, her mother passed away four months ago. And 
that was when the elder sister and her son came back for the first time to stay at the family home. Uh, basically, they haven't really heard from her since 2018 when they got in touch to say that the mother was ill. Didn't come back. Said it was COVID, but I mean, there was quite a lot of time between 2018 and the start of a lockdown. But anyway, never came back. Now, the mother is dead. The funeral's happened. She has returned. She's staying in the house with Neri. She's got a short temper. No, none of the other siblings, the other married siblings like her. Um... And she's changing things in the house, things that the mother liked, the, you know, little outdoor seating area and things. And it's upsetting Neri. And she wants to establish some boundaries and, and, and speak up and confront her without having a terrible fight. And that's the thing. Neri's sister has, you know, uses her temper to frighten people into not confronting her. What advice do we have for Neri? Uh, Sophie and Joe in Bournemouth. Get affairs sorted and start moving forward with your life. And I do think that's the thing. I mean, I know it's only, what is it, four months. But if there is a will, it's time to start doing it all now because it, this will just get worse. Neri, you must really put your foot down and don't be bullied by your sister. That's from Amelda from Eccleshall. And that is what she's doing. It is a kind of bullying. Uh, you have two choices. Acquiescence, acquiesce to her entire... To, to her your entire life, or stand up to her and have a fight. Good luck. I know it's hard to change the habit of a lifetime, Ian and Preston. And that is the thing, isn't it? When you're, you know, put in a situation like this, you do revert to the, the roles you played in childhood. Uh, but I think Ian's right. You've got to call her bluff. You, you, and you don't, I don't think you have to have a fight. She can lose her temper and you can just stand there. Nothing more annoying for someone who's lost their temper than someone who doesn't lose their temper back. Uh, so do that. Passive aggressive. Mm, the best. Uh, Kath is in Norfolk. Where there's a will, there's a fight. You're so right, Kath in Norfolk. This is basically sibling bullying. Does it matter if you fall out with your sister when she's bringing so little to your lives? Join forces with other siblings and set out some boundaries. And that is the thing, isn't it? If, if you fall out with her, she opted out like nearly three years ago now. So that was her moment to join in and be part of this family. It's a bit late now. Uh, oh, good luck, Neri. I mean, just a, a terrible predicament to be in. I am going to give the Fino Sherry to Ian in Preston. That's who's getting the sherry. The Graham Norton Radio Show Podcast. Virgin Radio. Uh, we are joined by our first guest of the day. He stars in a new uh, thriller called Crime. It's on uh, BritBox. It premieres exclusively on BritBox on Thursday, November the 18th. His name is Dougray Scott. Hello, Dougray Scott. Hello, Graham. How are you? I'm very well. Uh, while Amy McDonald was singing, I was just saying to you, this part, because we, we'll talk about the series more, but the, the character... Uh, this is Detective Inspector Ray Lennox. I mean, what a great, what a gift for you as an actor. Yeah, no, it was uh, a gift. I mean, it all came, originated from Irvin's mind. You know, the novel I read about 10 years ago, 11 years ago, uh, when I was looking for something to do uh, with Irvin, and I flew to Dublin to meet him with a couple of other people, and he said, have you read Crime? And I hadn't read it, and I read it, and I just blew me away, the story. In the novel, it's set in Miami, in Edinburgh. We decided to um, to concentrate on the Edinburgh part of it. <laughs> did you? And we did, yes, we did. And uh, when I teamed up with, with Tony Wood, who's my producing partner on this, um, you know, Irvin then concentrated on Edinburgh, and he had to expand that that particular story. But it's, uh, it's a get for, for me as an actor, you know, I kind of... 
I developed we developed this character yeah. and uh, I wanted to stretch as far as I possibly could as an actor but the the, the character that Irvin created is is quite extraordinary, you know, because... Well, because we're used to kind of flawed detectives, but this is beyond flawed. <laughs> he's pretty pretty darn flawed, that's for sure. I mean, he's a man who's lived, you know, with darkness for most of his life. You know, he's had a very, very troubled and, 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 and tragic childhood in, in many respects, but he became a cop in order to try and find the people who did him wrong as a child. Um, and... You know, it's a perfect job for him, but it's like a, you know, you know, this collision, this train collision is coming at some point. Um, but what he needs in his life is what harms him as well. It's oxygen for him as a human being. You know, the darkness and the the demons, as, as it yeah. were, and it fuels him in order to do his job properly. And so, in terms of the story, it starts with a, a child being abducted. Yeah, a child, a young girl goes missing, a thirteen-year-old girl, and. Um, my character, Ray Lennox, he immediately senses that this has got something to do with other cases that he's been following over the years. I mean, he's obsessive about missing girls and serial killers, and he just instinctively thinks that it's got something to do with these other cases that he's been following for years. And, and uh, you know, as, as the story progresses, you find out whether he's wrong or whether he's right. But really, it's, you know, ostensibly on the surface, it's about a cop searching for a serial killer, but really it's about a man searching you know, into his past in yeah. order to try and survive in, in the present and, uh, you know, and, and what that, uh, what happens to him. And so this is the first television series that Irvin Welsh has done, right? Yeah, he's adapted it, you know, the first time that he's adapted anything of, of his own for television. Yeah. Um, so it's sort of for you, you, you were in the room. I mean, you were working with him doing this. Yeah, no, we developed it for about five years. Uh, me, Tony, uh, Wood, Irvin Welsh, and then James Strong, who directed the first three, he was involved in the, in the process as well. And it was, you know, it's a difficult process, but it was... Um, you know, really quite interesting working with, with someone like Irvin. You know, I've known Irvin for about 20 years and we've been trying to find something to do together for, for a long time. But, you know, he kind of, he wrote this for me. Um, and so, uh, you know... Um, that's amazing. I, I thank, that, that's a, I, I that's thank, amazing. I thank you very much, yeah. Irvin, for writing this for me. And listen, you're the star of the show, but also Edinburgh. I mean, Edinburgh, I feel like now they should just film everything in Belfast and Edinburgh. They both look so good on Belfast camera. Belfast is a fantastic... I filmed, yeah. I filmed Women in White in, in Belfast. That's an amazing city. But Edinburgh, I think, you know, I mean, I, I was brought up in the East Coast, I spent a lot of time in Edinburgh as well, watching my football team, you know, watching Hibs. And I know Glasgow very well also, because my parents are from there, but um, Edinburgh I, I love, and it is the star of the show as well. I mean, the, the actors in the show, you know, uh, you know Angela Griffin and Joanna van der Helm, they're, they're fantastic in, in the show. So I'm surrounded by amazing actors, which helps. Yeah, and Ken yeah. Stott, definitely. He, he's convincing as a policeman who's been behind a desk for some time. Ken Stott <laughs> is a phenomenal actor. I mean, I've he's known him for years and I just, I love him so much and he's brilliant in the show. But um, I just, you know, I hope that people, I mean, it kind of starts off, you have 10 minutes of procedural and then it kind of goes in a completely different direction. Yeah, I mean, no, it, it's genuinely surprising. You're like, what? what say what now? <laughs> <laughs> did working with BritBox mean you had more freedom rather than going on a kind of, you know, a prime time yeah. ads in the middle of it? I mean, it was commissioned by ITV, by Polly Hill at ITV, and she was incredibly um, supportive, as was Kevin Ligo as well. But 
she felt it was a better fit for BritBox. And so I think with when you're behind a paywall, you kind of have more license to be more authentic, as it were. Not that ITV don't make authentic shows, they do, but yeah. I think you're perhaps allowed a few more swear words than you would normally be <laughs> on ITV <laughs> or Irvin BBC. Welsh, Irvin Welsh special. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And uh, you may not know, I ought to know, I was the voiceover for the BritBox ad. How do you get BritBox? Is it just, is it in your telly or...? Yeah, it's like any other streaming service. Okay. You, you go into BritBox and you download it. You can watch it, uh, you know, on your smart TV, as most people have now, or um, or you watch it on your computer. But I mean, watch it on the on on a bigger screen. Yes. We had a screen another day. Uh, you know, a friend of mine gave me his screening theatre, and there was about forty of us there watching it. And it looks fantastic on the big screen as well. But it must be just a lovely job for you as well, because, you know, they weren't trying to handsome you up every day. You could look as rough, oh. as, rough as you <laughs> this, wanted. This is me, Graham. <laughs> this is how I look on a day-to-day -day basis, yeah. No, he's... I mean, the, the one thing I wanted to... I didn't want to shy away from his his torment and his pain and his shame, because, you know, the abuse that he suffered as a child, he's carried with him, as as it does for most people who, yeah. are, who are survivors of abuse. And so... This cloak of shame that he carries around with him infiltrates into his everyday life and his interactions with people. But he's kind of, you know, he's he's a spokesperson for the people who have no voice and who don't normally get people championing their their their, their cause, as it were. And so, he's a bit of a, you know, he's an avenging angel for the vulnerable people in society. And I've only seen the first episode. How many episodes are there? Six. Six. Okay. More with Dougray Scott after this. The Graham Norton Radio Show Podcast. Virgin Radio. Dougray Scott. Dougray Scott stars in Crime, uh, which will premiere exclusively on BritBox on Thursday, November the 18th. Google it. You'll find out to get it. <laughs> it's not hard. Just, yeah, yeah. That, that's what I should have said in the ads. Google yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Google it. it yeah. It's the best of British box sets. That I remember. It was the best of British box sets. Yeah. yeah. You're in there. Will they all be there or is it, are they going to drop it weekly? No, they'll drop it all at the same time. Oh, um, so the you'll, best. Yeah, you'll be able to binge watch it if, if you like. If you can take it. I mean, it's pretty intense. <laughs> Six hours of uh, this man trying to find a serial killer, but um, it's really, I mean, listen, I'm really proud of it. I mean, it's hard to be objective, but I do think it's quite, it's pretty good. Yeah, I think, yeah. And actually, you don't film that much in Scotland, do you? No, I don't, but I want to do more. I mean, filming crime, which we filmed both in Glasgow and in Edinburgh, really struck home to me how much I love Scotland and how much I love working there because the crews are amazing, they're fantastic and it's kind of an untapped country in many respects so, you know, I, the idea for me is to, you know, to set up shop there with yeah. my producing partners on, on, on this, on crime and develop more um, projects. Because no, you must look across the water at Northern Ireland and kind of think, wait a minute, like what's going on, what's going on here? Because yeah, Northern I, Ireland is so busy with filming. Booming, yeah. No, as I said, I filmed there before and I think that, yeah, I think that Scotland uh, could do with, you know, having more of a, you know, a, a heart of filmmaking. So whether it's in Edinburgh or Glasgow, I, I'm not sure, but I, I certainly would like to develop more um, television programmes, films, projects coming out of Scotland because that's where I'm from, you know. And yeah. It's what shaped me, it's who I am and... And it's interesting, when you decided to be an actor, though, you went to Wales. I know. To, why, why, did you, why did you do that? Was it to be kind of exotic and well, foreign? Well, because <laughs> I felt that, you know, I wanted to get away from Scotland, and I remember I could get a grant to go to the Welsh College, the Royal Welsh College in Music and Drama, and my son, Gabriel, he went to the same college that I went to as well. 
quite oh, extraordinary. Funny. And he was taught by one of my teachers as well. Was is, he most promising drama student? I'm not sure. <laughs> the, well, he should have been. He's very good. He's very talented, much better than I am, or was at that age. Um, but, yeah, no, I loved Wales. I, I still love Wales. It's a great play. And I did my one of my first films there. I did Twin Town. And, I mean, because you always got to think, oh, will the agents come and find me in Wales? Will the agents come and find me in Bristol? Uh, obviously, they did. They did, yeah. Well, I came to London. I battered on their doors, and I'm like, "Take me, please. I'm not leaving here until you until you sign me." You see, that's um, that's a Noel Gallagher confidence right there. Yeah, I know. Well, that was out of desperation. That was like, well, that was like you have to kind of put on a front, and I always put on a front because inside I was like so insecure and so like not confident about things. But you know, I was tough, and what I am is tough, and I'm resilient, and I'm. You know, I don't, you know, I, I will keep going. I'm very, very determined to do things. It took a long time to get crime made, but I knew that it had to be made because it's such an incredible story. And Irvin's such a, you know, an extraordinary British writer and one of, I think, the best that we that, that we have. And, um, you know, I was very, very happy to, to get And also, to I think this. what's really interesting is to see his take on a genre. You know, you, you know what I mean? In the, you know, it is a police drama. It's a, you know, you've, we've seen programmes before where, you know, a child goes missing and the police investigate it. Da, da, da. But to see an Irvin Welsh take on that is amazing. Yeah, he doesn't shirk away from the reality of life. So you have policemen who are certainly not woke. Uh, and that's an authentic, <laughs> but that's an authentic observation about the way that the police are. But yes, it seems does, like a very realistic police yeah, station. Yeah, it is. But he turns it on its head. You know, it's not that he's ignoring the importance of tackling misogyny and tackling racism and um, everything that we want to eradicate and, and homophobia. Everything is tackled in the show, but it's done from a realistic point of view. Um, and that's what I find so fascinating about Irvin. He's an authentic voice and he tackles things that need to be tackled, but um, in a very unique way. So what you get with crime is is a cop show, kind of, but it's really about something else. And uh, Valerie's been in touch asking about working in different genres. Um, do you do you do theatre? I haven't done. In fact, I was talking. Have to... Have you never done theatre? No, no, I have. Oh yeah. Oh, right, no, right. I started off doing theatre. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. did. You know, I worked at the. Don't think I've done this. Done my warehouse with Sam Mendes. I did a play. Oh. It's marvellous. Yeah. Uh, no, I've, I've worked I in the West Olivier. End. Yes, I <laughs> Darling, yes. Maybe the stage version of Crime. Um, I, I love the theatre. I do. And I was talking to my agent yesterday. I said, I really want to do a play. I really want to do a play. So, you know, yeah, I mean, I have been asked to do plays from time to time, but whether it's not been the right time, but I really would love to, to go back on and do, do, do a play. It's just different. You utilise different muscles, and I think that it's, um, it's incredibly exciting. And um, so, you know, hopefully um, at some point, soon I'll get to go back well now they're open play. again now they're open again yeah uh, <laughs> I think it's probably you know a good time to, to, to start I mean listen I'd, I love Arthur Miller Arthur Miller was a huge inspiration for me um, growing up uh, reading Death of a Salesman for example and um, you know I, I got to play Arthur Miller not once but twice really yeah I was in My Week with Marlon I played Arthur oh, Miller and I, yes, and I did yes, a yes. sky a sky um, drama and I played Arthur Miller so um, I, but he's actually my favourite playwright of all time so I would love to do an Arthur Miller at, at some point but um I like we'll it. See. I like you're manifesting it. It's good. It's good. You're well, make, we'll see. You're making it happen. <laughs> yeah. And in interviews, do mention this show. Okay. Mention, yeah. And then I was the talking Graham to Graham Norton. Well, yeah. And I love the Graham Norton show. It's the best radio show 
ever. <laughs> okay, well, well, that's going to be my new text alert. <laughs> uh, let's just remind everybody, the crime, uh, it premieres exclusively on BritBox on Thursday, November the 18th. That is this Thursday. Uh, look out for it, crime. Do great, Scott. Thank you so much for coming in to see us. Pleasure. Cheers. Good Thank luck with it all. Thank you Take for care. Me. Cheers. There's still a lot more to come. Anton de Beck tells us about his brand new novel, We'll Meet Again. But before that, let's check in with our show chef, Martha, and see what she's been up to in the kitchen. The ding, 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 the clatter of the, the trolley. It's in. It's parked beautifully. Uh, Martha, <laughs> Martha Collison is here. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well. We're having a bake-off extravaganza. <gasps> your old your old mucker, uh, Mary Berry's in. I know. Later. Yeah. So excited. Aww. <laughs> Did you ever get to kind of hang out with her or does she just kind of just taste your stuff and go, mm, yeah? There was a little bit of hanging out towards kind of the end, the latter end, when there was less of us. My One of my favourite memories from Bake Off was having a rocket lolly with Mary. Whilst we were just, I just happened to just be the two of us. She probably will not remember, so don't remind her of this moment. She but. doesn't look like she eats a lot of rocket lollies, so uh, I think she might remember. You never know, yeah. it was very hot, and they were just dishing out these lollies, and I just remember sitting there thinking, this is a very surreal experience right now. <laughs> oh, well, uh, Mary will be in after 12 o'clock, and we'll let you come in and say hello. You okay. can say hello. And actually, weirdly, there's a bake-off connection to uh, what you've made for us today. There is indeed. This is a recipe by Chetna Makan, who was on the same series as me, actually. She's a good friend of mine, so it was a Real joy to be cooking one of her recipes in the kitchen today. So we've got um, a date and razal hanout chicken stew. Say what now? Mm, it's a tongue twister. Date and razal hanout. Okay, da- date. <laughs> I got you. Dates or <laughs> you dates? dates? Dates or dates? Raz el hanout. What's that? It's a spice blend. Okay. So sounds complicated and fancy, but you can buy it in waiters in a little tiny pot. Love it. And it's Love a, it. got all sorts of different spices going on. It's cinnamon, ginger, cumin, a little bit of rose petal, which gives it a little bit of extra cassia. It's like got, I don't know how many spices, lots, but it's got a really nice warming flavour. It's not too spicy if you're not into spice. It's just got lots of different flavours going on there. It sounds like it will taste like a Christmas candle. Is that, uh, is that fair? Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's, it does have a slight element of the potpourri when you're sprinkling it in. <laughs> but I promise it tastes better than it looks. OK, and what's the chicken sitting on top of? So, the chicken is in this stew. So it gets cooked in this stew, which is razal hanout, the spices. It's got tomatoes, potatoes, onions. Um, yeah, and then the chicken thighs cook away in that, so they absorb all those lovely flavours. Oh, chicken thighs. <laughs> uh, this looks very hearty. This looks perfect for a kind of uh, winter late autumn uh, thing. It looks gorgeous. Uh, look, I'll, uh, I'll start devouring that now. Uh, we'll listen to some George Michael and then we'll come back and find out exactly how you make the <laughs> date and Raz El Hanout chicken stew. Is that how you say it? That's perfect. <gasps> listen Spot to on. me. Oh, listen to me. I can say it. Probably can't cook it. Uh, OK, here's a bit of George Michael and uh, we'll find out how to make it after this. The Graham Norton Radio Show Podcast. Virgin Radio. I tell you, if eating was an Olympic sport, I might do quite well. I polished off a whole chicken thigh and quite a lot of other things in uh, about four minutes. Uh, So I'm talking to Martha, Martha Collision. Martha Collison. <laughs> Martha Collison, uh, our show chef, about a date and Raz El Alnut chicken stew. What do we do? How do we start? So, I guess, as with most stews, you want to start by browning your meat. So, this is chicken thighs in this stew, um, which are really nice, affordable cut. You want the ones with the skin on, so you get a little bit of crispy skin and all that lovely flavour. Mm-hmm. So, you take your skin on, bone in chicken thighs, brown them in a big pan for a couple of minutes until they're nice and golden, then pop them out of the pan onto a plate. Then, into your pan, go your onions, some coriander stalks which I think is really good for food waste because you're not wasting them when you're just plicking off the little leaves you're yep. putting everything in um, and they have a really nice flavour
flavour. They go in with your Razal Hanout spice blend that oh, gets in at the beginning just oh, okay. to start those flavours toasting yeah, yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. Um, that mixes until it's nice and soft and then you're going to add in some a can of tomatoes, some chicken stock, and your chicken goes back in as well, along with some potatoes. So pop your potatoes in so it's nice and hearty because everything's in one dish. Oh, you so can, that's so easy. You can serve it along with something else. I've served it with just like a little bowl of wheat giant couscous salad, but you could just have it on its own because you've got kind of the carb, the meat, the veg, all in one. So that goes in, and then you want to just pop the lid on and leave it to cook for about half an hour. On on the stove top, not on, on the, the stove top. Yeah, okay. you could probably put the whole thing in the oven if you wanted to, but I think it's a bit easier just to leave it yeah, on yeah, the stove. Yeah. Then when it's 15 minutes, to go you take the lid off and then you kind of crumble in these dates so these are medjool dates really sticky and caramelly you kind of kind of what do you call it tear them into the dish that's what you do tear mix them. it in tear and then them. they kind of melt away into the sauce if you're thinking and i really like dates i can't get them past my kids i'm not sure they're going to be a fan they do just disappear and add a lovely kind of tanginess to the sauce which works really nicely with the spices well it is delicious it's very very nice and you're right you don't really need anything else but it is quite nice to have the couscous <laughs> and the yeah, thing nice to have a few little extras or yeah. some, some dumplings or something because it makes it extra say, that hearty. is one of the well, that is one of the easiest uh, things you've ever made for us. Yeah, that, I think so. Other than when I did you ice cream in a bowl. Yes, in fairness, that, that, <laughs> that was quite, quite easy. <laughs> quite simple. Uh, but yeah, all in one pot, which makes it really good for a weeknight meal if you just don't want to think about it. It just all goes in. Or you could probably do it in your slow cooker as well if you're into that kind of cooking. If you're in, if that's your kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And is this in the uh, Waitrose magazine this weekend or have you just plucked it out of the air? I believe this is in the Waitrose magazine, the one that's monthly because Chetna writes an amazing column where she does all sorts of harvest um, recipes. Is that the one you've got to pay things. for? <laughs> um, uh, if you're my Waitrose member, which is free to become, <laughs> you can have it for free. I used to work in store, you can tell. <laughs> is that when you've got the little, because I've got that thing on my keys, does that make me a my Waitrose person? Yeah. Just oh, so I can it get it for free? It's for free, yeah. I'm an idiot. I've been walking past that thing. What about that drinks magazine? Can I get that for free? I'm not 100% on that, but I would, I would have thought so. I reckon, Graham, you can probably have it for free. <laughs> yeah, give it to me. <laughs> No, I can't do that. I can't just pop it all on my trolley. I probably don't need to pay for my groceries. Uh, yeah, uh, great more radio show with Waitrose. Uh, bye. Uh, if you want to get the recipe for that, uh, we, uh, full name, date and Raz El Hanout chicken stew. It, it may be in the magazine. We don't know it a bit. Uh, but it's definitely on our Instagram account, Absolutely. at Virgin Radio UK. And just tap away there till you are led to the recipe. Uh, Martha, thank you very much. We'll, we'll talk to you again because you'll, you'll pop in and say hello to Mary oh, I'm sure <laughs> The Graham Norton Radio Show Podcast Virgin Radio Time to meet my second guest of the day she's the one the only Mary Berry Hello Hello Ah a Fantastic new book Loved Cook accompanied by a series and I was saying to you that uh, I could really go home and throw away all my other cookbooks I mean it's all in here everything's in here uh, How do you you know, because you've done so many books now, when the idea of a new book comes, how do you go about it? How do you approach it? Because it's a mammoth task. It's a mammoth task. And, and it was... Uh, I wrote it in uh, trouble times, you know, when we were at home. Yeah. So love to cook. I think everybody began to love to cook um, during the pandemic because there you were, stuck at home. We were, just my husband and myself. And... Um, you you knew how many there were sort of gaps when your family were back. You knew how many you were cooking for, and um, you had time. This great, wonderful thing, time. Yeah. And uh, also, um, we were growing things in the garden and making use of them. 
and um, everything we tried out, uh, as usual, uh, Lucy uh, Young, who's been with me 32 years, wow. you know, and um, Lucinda uh, also comes, and uh, she's been with us t uh, 20 years, all grown up, and we all... Uh, talk talk through it we try it all we get opinions of uh, what everything is and of course um, we work very much uh, in Britain so uh, for the television program uh, I was traveling within Britain yeah um, but they're really good uh, uh, recipes that you when they give them to the family they say ooh and ah yes but I was saying to you I, I trust you I, I trust when I do one of these recipes, it will look like the picture at the end. Even I, following these recipes, will That's be able to do news. it. Yes. But here's the thing. During lockdown, because I know I got so bored of my did own you? cooking. Yes. Did you get bored of your own cooking in lockdown? Um, I didn't really, because... Um, I because got you're very the good. Because <laughs> I'm no, Mary no, no. Berry. <laughs> I was doing batches of things. Oh, OK. Um, and so I would freeze half. Uh, and have it another time. Oh, you could surprise and yourself. then I wouldn't have to think. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I had to remind myself I'd got it in the freezer. Um, but it, And also, prepare ahead. Um, I find uh, now we're back to normal. It's wonderful to have people round and uh, everybody's busy and so there are prepare aheads. And in each... Uh, I also give lots of tips but i think it's organization isn't it i mean i think people will look at the picture and think wow i want to make that yeah and uh, there aren't too many ingredients as and also you know, cleverly you do that thing of uh, telling us what we should have in our cupboard our dry store or that you tell yeah. us what should, what what we need in and you know you feel like you could cook forever and there's some classics i mean really things you must have cooked you know red wine beef stew with horseradish dumplings things like that but what about newer flavors how do you discover you know because i'm sure there was a time when none of us knew what a thai vegetable rice wrap was um so how do the new flavors and the new ideas kind of enter your world well um i'm uh, testing and with lucy and lucinda they are young they go out <laughs> for meals they say come on we must do something with uh, white miso so we did uh, miso prawns and i use it in another recipe as well and tell people what it is how long you can uh, keep it and uh, introduce them to new flavours. I mean, uh, Five Spice I brought into uh, my books uh, two or three years ago, and we continue. They are on the shelf, but I don't need uh, um, soy, uh, uh, so soy sauce in light soy sauce, dark soy sauce. I just make to do with dark soy sauce and all those chilli powders and so on. I just have one because you don't need all those. Uh, and who wants a juniper berry anyway? <laughs> and when you go to restaurants, do you sometimes roll your eyes at the, the things they're trying to do and the flavours they're trying to make popular? I don't roll my eyes at them, really. I'm so thrilled to go and try. <laughs> uh, I, that's very exciting to go to restaurants and uh, have a new flavour and see what they're doing to it. Um, 
sometimes if the portions are very big, I nearly always go to for two first courses, um, which is something I enjoy. And when you're approaching this book, are there bits that you look forward to more than others? Do you like a kind of a, a big hearty stew more than a, a fiddly starter? Or, you know, do you have to force yourself to come up with some vegetarian meals? What are the, what are the areas that you kind of think, oh, good, this is my, this is my wheelhouse? Actually, it's savoury between you and me. Um, and uh, I, I, we've done a bit of plant food uh, in the book because we've got to move with the times. Yep. It's uh, good for us. We've done some wonderful plant burgers, which my one of my granddaughters says is the best one she's ever had. I mean, we've done a whole section on burgers. I mean, a salmon burger, a beef burger, you know, whatever, a lamb burgers because I think people enjoy that sort of thing. And also, you can freeze them. Uh, I, I just wrap them in cling film and uh, assemble them in a long line, like uh, biscuits in a packet, <laughs> and then I just take two out. And that's the same with things like um, fish cakes. And we introduce people to things like samphire. I mean, you see samphire alongside the fish in the fish shop. And uh, I went off foraging in the programme um, uh, with my daughter, which she loves, with Craig in Wales. And uh, then I think people want to... They, they usually overcook it because they're not quite sure of it. Yes. But gosh, I do enjoy it. It goes well with fish. OK. The Graham Norton Radio Show Podcast. Virgin Radio. We both forgot, of course, you've been on stage with Rick Astley. I certainly have at the festival. And he called me up and he said, have you ever played the drums? And I said, no. Uh, we had a practice in the afternoon and then I was wheeled on <laughs> and there was 20,000 audience. Wow. And I was shaking like mad. And anyway, I, uh, he was obviously playing louder than me or somebody was. It sounded wonderful. And I remember coming down the steps afterwards and I was... Somebody said, do you want to drink? And I said, do I want to drink? And I drank about half a pint of white wine because it was <laughs> so relieved. But it was great. He's a wonderful man. He had very shiny shoes. Oh, really? well, show business. Show business, Mary. Yes. Right. Uh, now, I know you... It, it is interesting because uh, Martha's joined us, who obviously was on Bake Off. <laughs> oh, but. I remember her so well and you were what 16 and 17 I was, yeah 17 and oh. now married i mean <laughs> so exciting time time flies <laughs> yes i mean time has passed she's not yep. 16 and married yep, no. uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't worry everyone i'm 25 now <laughs> yeah we're good we're good um but baking has has kind of introduced so many people like nadia was on my show last yes, night I saw her. and uh and yet, actually, as you say, you know, savoury is kind of what you all like doing. But you have brought in a cake. Did you make this last... Was this on TV last night, this cake? No, it wasn't. Oh, right. OK. Is it going to be on next week? Yes. OK, next week. It's, it's a, a foretaste of what to come. Uh, what it, I've had a taste. It's delicious and moist. It's really good. What's in it? Um, I've called it sunshine cake. Sorry, when you said last night, it was Thursday night. Thursday Because the programme's on Thursday, Thursday night. night. That would make it's sense. called sunshine cake <laughs> because I thought it's, uh, it, it is just like sunshine. And it has got vegetables in it. And it's got carrot, um, overripe banana and courgette. And that makes it very, very moist. And I think it's delicious. And then the cream cheese icing um, goes very well, like it does with uh, a carrot cake. 
and it must you you must use full fat cream fish because uh, um, uh, cream cheese because if you use a low fat it just spreads and drops off it. Okay. Um, but it, it's well. Have you tried it? Have I you have. tried I, it? I've look. I've I've eaten half a slice already without a fork. I, while you were talking to Martha, I was like a dog. <laughs> so what eat, do you think? I was I was like a dog eating this cake thing. <laughs> it's delicious. It is properly moist. It's really gorgeous be, because you know often dense a cake can be quite dense and a little a little dry. But uh, that's really really lovely. Yeah, um, um, Martha, are you the same now? Do you prefer uh, doing savoury? I think I prefer cooking because you have to cook every single day. You have to eat savoury food every day, whereas I find sweet to be more of that luxury, that, oh, a special pudding day or a special cake day. So I do enjoy savoury cooking a lot. I really enjoy cooking dishes and dinners and things like that. And what's it like? You must you must bump into ex-contestants all the time now. I must... Bump into ex-contestants oh, all the there time. There is hundreds of I do, and it's always very exciting. And, I mean, I haven't seen Martha since the programme, mm. and she looks just as lovely as ever. And I actually saw the food coming out uh, that you'd cooked, and it looked really good. Oh, thank you so much. It was delicious. <laughs> it was very good. Uh, but, of course, we should say your... So your show, the Love to Cook show, that continues at 8 o'clock on BBC Two on Thursday nights. Yes, because every I'm, Thursday... I'm an idiot. And how many episodes have you done? Six. Six. Oh, okay. And, and we, we were saying during the record, I mean, they must have been quite challenging making these shows. Well, it was challenging because we had to keep a very small uh, crew and uh, keep our distance. Um, but it was a challenge and, and I, I think it worked. And, and I went, you know, travelling off to, to um, uh, see a lovely... Um, uh, uh, to meet Terry and uh, went to the Welsh hillside. Oh, the allotment. The allotment. Jeremy Vines, Terry, uh, Terry's allotment. That's right. And then uh, I was off picking samphire because I always wanted to know how samphire grew. And uh, that was terribly interesting. And can you get that wrong? Because there's stuff that grows outside my house in Ireland. I'm on the sea. And <laughs> it, I'm told it's samphire, but I've never had the confidence to pick it and cook it because it just looks like a weed growing out of a wall. Well, just ask a fisherman or someone nearby. That, <laughs> but it should be all right. Is, is it sort of... It, this is marsh um, and it, it grows in sort of... quite near the sea in sort of wet marshes and it grows about a, a foot high and you want to pick it when it's just coming up. OK. I feel like maybe I shouldn't cook my mine. Mine's growing out of a wall. <laughs> that doesn't sound right, <laughs> well, does it? You can get you can get rock samphire too. Oh, maybe that's what I've got. Oh, go on, yeah. have a try. Is that edible? You won't. Oh yes. Okay. I, I believe you. I believe you. And tell me this, uh, Mary. You've uh, moved since I last spoke to you. You've moved house. Yes. Uh, how's it going? Are you enjoying your oh, house? Oh, it's lovely. Yes. Um, we're in Henley, and we've been welcomed with open arms. And you know, we have the lovely uh, book festival. Um, a lot goes on there, and uh, I, I really like it. I've got a nice garden with um, raised beds for when I'm really old. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, planning ahead. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 it's it's the right thing to do. And do you feel at, at any time you might slow down? Because you do seem to be, you know, you, you know, after Bake Off, you just like a greyhound from the slips off you went and book after series, book after series. Uh, do you, are you still enjoying it all as much as ever? I just love it. I'm very like I like being um, uh, sort of I'm greyhound out <laughs> of the slip. <laughs> Um, no, I'm. I've no wish to retire. I mean, there's plenty of time to rest in heaven. 
There, well said you. Or indeed on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, <laughs> let's all do that. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Mary Berry. Love to Cook is out now in hardback and the TV show continues next week at 8 o'clock on BBC Two and, of course, uh, previous episodes available on iPlayer. Thank you so much and thank you for our delicious cake. Uh, talk Sport will be all around us like flies on the proverbial. Uh, <laughs> Oh, and oh yes, and, oh, and now Martha brought in. Martha's look lovely. They do. We'll That's eat them as well. Are they little <laughs> yes. lemon drizzle? Party. They are little lemon and mascarpone cakes. I mean, the sugar rush is going to be unbearable. <laughs> the Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio. Right, time to meet my guest. Uh, you know him as a dancer, now a judge on Strictly, and millions enjoy his fiction. He's got a new novel out now called We'll Meet Again. What a time to be Anton Dubeck. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the joy of joys, of course, is coming onto your show and chatting to you. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, whatever. The pinnacle <laughs> of everything. <laughs> uh, no, How I'm, are you, my love? I'm so well. I'm all the better for talking to you because I love, I love that you got your job on the panel because you were so, I love that you were really open about that I want that job. <laughs> Sometimes you try and be, <laughs> you know, oh, no, and if it comes, it'll be lovely and blah, 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 and da, 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 and then they give it to someone else and blah, blah, and then finally you just go, do you know, is there any chance? Perhaps I could have it. Would you mind terribly? Would that be so bad? Yes. Could was, I have it? It was, was my mistake not asking. Uh, yeah, yeah. Did you not know? Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't tell you. Uh, but listen, I, I remember I interviewed you when you'd just written your first novel, One Enchanted Evening, and I could tell that you'd really enjoyed it. You, you, I could tell there was a spark in your eye. You'd had a great time. So how brilliant that they've taken off and now we're on book four. Well, I'm absolutely delighted, and thank you to everybody who's uh, bought the books and enjoying the books. And I've had wonderful feedback, which has been uh, really encouraging and, and, and delightful, because you think it's great, of course, uh, and you just hope everybody else is enjoying it as well. But the the question that was uh, posed to me at, right at the beginning, after book one, was uh, what do we do now? Do we go off in a different direction, do something else in a new story, or do we continue? And if we do so, when do we you know, is it ten years down the road, or yeah. was it? and it just seemed obvious to me that we should just continue with the series because I I loved the characters, and it it became clear to me as well very quickly that the star of the piece really was the hotel, and um, and and. Once that became sort of clear in my mind, I could then have anybody walking through the uh, the doors of the Buckingham Hotel and dancing in the wonderful Grand Ballroom and the Archie Adams Orchestra. And then, of course, there's a natural timeline. We sort of every year, and then we keep the story going. And now we've entered into the beginnings of the uh, Second World War. And this is the Buckingham at war, really. And the Buckingham Hotel, is it based on a hotel? Is it, you know, is it Claridge's? Is it the Ritz? Where is it? Well, it's a little uh, a melange of all of them, really. It's all the best bits of all the hotels I've either stayed in or uh, performed in. I mean, all the, the ballroom, the same as well. It's all the great ballrooms I've had the opportunity to dance in around the world. And uh, just little things like the Christmas tree, for example. I, I remember going to a Christmas tree in, or going to a hotel, rather, uh, in Vancouver. It's this wonderful hotel I went to in Vancouver. And I did a, we did a show. Erin and I, years ago, we did a show. And I just remember as we walked into the into the lobby, they call it over there, there's this wonderful Christmas tree that stretched up through the floors. And I thought, oh, that's the most magnificent thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, anyway, and that goes into the novel. So it's little bits, little snippets of 
uh, everything, really, over the years that have gone into the novels. And it's the same with the characters. People I've met and uh, little bits of them and a bit of that and then people I've heard about and images that have been conjured up in my mind and from my old teacher who... I had an old teacher who was a wonderful raconteur and would tell wonderful stories about the old the old teachers of his day and, and the, what it was like in the day and just lovely. I mean, there's a wonderful... The guy that keeps coming into my head and I never met him. He's long passed away. But he was one of the pioneers of ballroom dancing and his name was Charles Theobald. I oh. mean, what a... Isn't that a beauty? <laughs> Oh, and that immediate the image of that in my mind, what it conjures up. And that that's all that goes into the, the novels, really. It's all of that. And, you know, the threat of war kind of gives things an edge in the books. Mm. Were you hesitant about actually being at war? Because suddenly there are going to be, you know, very dark things happening. And, and you know, you will have to make the decision about your characters. Will they live? Will they die? Were, was it, were you kind of nervous entering into that chapter of history? That is, uh, you've got to have a clear idea of where, you, or I did anyway, uh, I have a clear idea of what I wanted this particular character or this particular relationship with another character in the book uh, the direction of which I wanted that to travel in um, and how that would either end or not end um, because my novels are punctuated by real-life events. So, the, for example, the Second World War. Um, and so I can't rewrite history. I can't say, oh, when in 1942 it was all over and it was marvellous, <laughs> they wouldn't have happily ever after. So, I, you know, you have that. that is set. And what I do then is I weave the story within that um, and again, it's just people. It's just real life. I mean, well, yeah. real life in, in in my sort of fictional world. And how? I mean, what's the? How how often do you write these books? I mean, are you already in book five? Well, I, I have. I do this thing where I I, I go. I have a, as we're having a conversation now. You can see often it's quite a stream of consciousness, and lots of stuff comes out. <laughs> uh, and I have a wonderful editor, um, and. Uh, and I have somebody sitting there by the computer and I wander around and I talk and I go, and you did this and it wanders over there and, and I get this look over the shoulder. Sometimes he goes, no, no, you can't do that. I go, all oh, right, fine. And then and, I go, and the editor goes, hmm, I think we better save that for book five. Okay, fine. And off I go again. And, and so I've got, and of course, during lockdown, when I essentially did uh, four, um, I was able to sort of get a head start onto five, really, just with all the bits I can use it for. And it's marvellous, because I can see the future. I'm like that. I can see the future. Well, I can see it at the end of the day. Someday, on a good day. On a good day. We'll Meet Again by Ant Donderbeck is out now in hardback. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio. So, Anton, let's talk uh, a little bit of Strictly. Now you got mm. the job, do you, like it as <laughs> mu- do you like it as much as you thought you would? I certainly like the result show a lot better. I don't get voted <laughs> off, and it's marvellous. Well, you're you're the in it. Light anywhere near me. I'm in it. Yes, I've made the final. Um, yeah. It is lovely. I do enjoy it. Because you're, when you're dancing, you're so focused on yourself, obviously. And and every week there's an there's a chance you could be this could be your last week, and it sort of doesn't matter where you finish in the leaderboard. Certainly when you get to the sharp end, as we are now. Yes. So anything could happen. It's really exciting. Um but as a judge, I sit there, I can see, I have an overview and I can see everything going on and I can see everybody, I'm going to use the J word, everybody's journey and see what they're doing, how they're developing and you give some advice to somebody. I try to give 
advice when I'm uh, judging that will relate to something they might be doing in the future. So, you know, I, I try not to bang on too much about what they've just done unless I can help them in the future. Yes. So, uh, so certain things you carry on into other dances. Um, and I try to do that. And if they, and if they do pick it up and it, you can see there's a development and you can see they've been working on it, well, it's absolutely thrilling. And I'm, I, I have, I'm loving every second of it, really. And is it a kind of a weird thing, you know, because you were part of one gang, you were, you know, mm. you were with the, with the dancers. Now you're with the judges. Yeah. What are, the dan- what are the, your old colleagues like with you now? And what are your new colleagues <laughs> like? Because, you know, you used to be, you know, scum on their shoe. And now, look, you're, on the, you're a judge. Yeah, <laughs> I get gifts. Great. No, I don't. Um, Cash gifts. Right. Outside my door, Cash. No, I don't. But um, they've been re- the, the pros have been wonderful. They've been really supportive and really uh, uh, enjoying what I've been doing as a judge. And they're just the most wonderful people, and I love them. I miss not being with them, I must say. Being in the group together, certainly doing the numbers and things like that, it is the most exciting place in the world to be because the energy and the talent... They're just brilliant. It is a wonderful thing. And judging, they've been so supportive and wonderful to me. And I can only thank them from the bottom of my heart. And uh, and it's made the whole thing better for me, actually. If I if they added a bit of that out the corner of their mouth going, oh, I can't believe what's he, <laughs> all of that. Oh, what's he doing? Yeah. <laughs> There's been none of that. They've been really wonderfully supportive. And coming up to me afterwards going, yes, you're absolutely right. I said that and blah, blah, blah. And it's been great. And I, and I love them for it. But also, what a series! What a series to be starting because the standard Mm. this year is crazy high, isn't it? It's ridiculous. I've not known. I know we always say, "Oh, this is the best one ever," but genuinely, this—I mean, we've got a a situation now that we we never traditionally got until after Blackpool, where you basically, from eight or nine couples that we've uh, had, we were eight uh, last night, nine, just brilliant. And what I'm enjoying the most about it is the volatility of the leaderboard. Yeah. You have somebody at the top of the leaderboard, then the next week they're bottom or second from bottom. And uh, it just makes it really exciting for everybody. Everybody concerned. So every dance matters. We've had years where sometimes somebody's been really consistently good. And you know every week they're going to be near the top of the leaderboard. And that's fabulous in that regard. But... Every dance really matters. You absolutely do not want to get a bad dance at the wrong week because you'll be at the bottom of the leaderboard. And 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 it's really, really interesting. And what's extraordinary for me is, you know, it's been going for so many years now, and yet the the level of creativity in that show is still so great. Like that moment last night with Rose and Giovanni where they danced in silence. I mean, you could hear a pin drop. It must have been fabulous in the studio. It's so interesting because we have all these wonderful technical things that we're doing on the show now, and the show just gets built and built and gets better and better, and it's fresher and fresher. And we have all this wonderful, what they call uh, augmented reality, where you see all these incredible pictures on the screen uh, going on. It, and it's incre- And then you get a moment of what I call stillness, where it's just... And it transcends everything really and last night's performance by rose uh, and giovanni was you know it's we, we all dance it's choreography and stuff this wasn't about choreography they could have done any steps they wanted to what they were able to do was to portray and uh, give across 
life. It was real. It was it was absolutely her. And we we do couple choice, and you try to tell your own story. And the greatest achievement I think for a dancer is to uh, give of yourself to an audience something that is real, and everybody loved the everybody loved the moment. They could have, they could have done literally anything. The steps were of on, on could have been anything. Could have wandered around, but it was so real and so incredible that it just stopped. It stopped the world. It for really a moment, did. I have to say. No, even you talking about it now is making me well up again. It was oh, so I lovely. I got all emotional. <laughs> uh, all right, very quickly. Uh, is it too close to call, or do you do you have a in your gut? Do you think who might uh, take home the glitter ball? No, it's too close to call. I mean, you look at AJ last night. I mean, she's been absolutely incredible. I think she's probably the highest scorer in the show, isn't she? I think they said that last night. Bottom of the leaderboard. Too close to call. I mean, crazy, isn't it? Oh, I hope she survives well, I mean, tonight. Brilliant. You know, you know, you're brilliant. sitting there, you're sitting there in a smoking jacket, eating chocolates, and you know who's out. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, listen, it's been lovely, lovely, lovely to talk to you, Anton de Beck. Uh, we'll meet again by Anton is out now in hardback, and we'll be watching the results tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. Good luck with the rest of the series and all no, your endeavours. Take care. Bless you, bless you. All bless right. You. Cheers, Anton. Well, that was a fun weekend. Uh, thank you so much for joining me on the Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. I'll be back on Virgin Radio from 9.30 on Saturday morning. And hey, make sure you've subscribed to this podcast so you can hear a new episode of the best bits of the show from Monday morning. Speak soon. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio. 